okay, so around 2045, I should be in a position to be a good grandpa. Hello listeners, I'm your host Ziad Matar and I would like to welcome you all to the Wirelessly Yours podcast where I talk about everything tech, business and design. On each episode, I invite some of the brightest minds to join me and discuss cutting-edge technologies, emerging business models and the latest design trends that are transforming our world and shaping the future. Wirelessly Yours. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this new episode of the Wirelessly Yours podcast. I'm your host Ziad Matar and this episode we will talk among other things about personal branding and style. And to talk about this today, I have the great honor and privilege of hosting, hosting Kelly Lundberg, who in addition to being an expert on the topic, also happens to be a mentor, an author, public speaker, and last but not least, a goal queen. Now, <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly, welcome to Wirelessly Yours, and thanks for accepting my invitation. And to be honest, it's the first time I have royalty on my show. <laughs> <laughs> That's only through my job. That's all. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> well, I need to uh, address you as Your Majesty, Your Royal Highness, uh, in the third person. <laughs> Because once I styled royalty, I suppose there's some cool things with that. But yeah, great to be here and look forward to speaking to you. That's amazing. Uh, I like always to start the, the, the discussion by talking about uh, backgrounds, but uh, we talk about your personal background, but some, uh, the real background. So uh, why don't you tell me what's behind you first and then... We'll Could I get the right I go. So I've got, a lot of, um, I've got a lot of fashion um, artwork on, uh, around here. I'm working back to front, so it's a little bit odd. So I've got here, if I move... I mean, but um, yeah, the pictures two of the, the square ones were from Harrods. I've got two signed prints from Megan Hess, um, a fashion illustrator. The, the writing is a little poem actually that my sister did for me. She didn't come up with this, someone she gave them all the, the um all the things about me and wrote an incredible poem. So that's up there, and then. They won about, I sold my soul to Louboutin. I actually have those shoes and I bought that in LA at um, an art gallery or, or an art. They did this like outdoor art festival type thing. It was really lovely. So that's my background. That's wonderful. And then let's talk about what you what got you here. How did you get to so being the Lundberg gold queen? Um, so fashion is my background. So back in 2005, I launched the Middle East first personal shopping and styling agency. So I just sort of saw a gap in the market. I was young, super naive um, at the, the, what, um, what business was all about. And, and I thought, you know what? I want a little part of that. I want to be part of this environment that Dubai was really attracting at the time which was like anyone can achieve anything anything is possible you have an idea about a business then you can make it work too so launched um what was style me divine in 2005 and 16 15 years later I sold it um so that was just one of the businesses that I sold and throughout that time of um working with clients and some royalty and Saudi which was lovely I've really invested into my personal development. I have done so many courses, so many um, coaching um, programs, because I'm just so um, passionate about having something that's really clear and to aim towards it. And it's helped me in my business and it's allowed me to set up other businesses and sell them. And really now I'm on the, the path of helping others do that, find their confidence and really take 
their personal brand to the next level, which style is just one part of, is how else do you build your personal brand? So yeah, that's where we're at. So you're a serial entrepreneur and you turned it into also a way to help maybe other entrepreneurs or other leaders mm -hmm. or other personalities or uh, regular people. Um, well, the, you know, the first section is, is what I call the elephant in the Zoom. And right now, the only elephant in the Zoom, I think, is me. And uh, because uh, I think you have a fantastic story and it all adds up together. Uh, the, uh, the joke is, I guess, that uh, from me to having a queen on the show, the only link is my hats. Uh, that's the only thing I share with uh, with Her Royal Highness. And, and this hat is a very nice hat that I got from one of our recent uh, guests on wireless yours uh, Ludovic Bossan who's a hat maker from Barcelona and amazing he's been uh, you know allow me to wear his fantastic hats on the show but uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the origins of the story and uh, I was reading your bio and doing a bit of research and uh, I wanted to understand how did you get that seed funding the first time I think you are referring to the the moment that I told a little white lie to the bank. So um, yeah, I uh, back in two thousand and four, you know, coming to two thousand and five, when I had this idea about wanting to start this business. At the time, in order to own your business a hundred percent in Dubai, you had to have a free zone license. And the free zone license were asking you to have a set amount of money in your bank, which at twenty four years old was more money than I'd ever known. And I had no idea where I was gonna get the funds for that from. And back then, so what are we talking now? 15, 17, 16 years ago or something? Um, it was $25,000. Um, so <laughs> I decided to tell the bank that I needed a car loan. And in those days, it didn't kind of go through the car dealer or anything like that. They just gave me the, the loan. And I remember the, the bank manager saying to me, you know, it's quite a lot of money for someone, you know, your age. What kind of car are you actually buying? And then um, I told him, I really panicked, actually, because I drove like a really small, tiny car that was super cheap. And I said, to him, and, like, so I thought of the only thing that I knew was expensive. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm buying a Porsche. And he was really like taken back. And he was like, wow. You, you've got great taste. I was like, if only you knew that this was going to like a business that was in personal shopping and styling. So yeah, that was that was how that started. But that's amazing and it fits the whole you know, story because that was the image of Dubai at the time. As you said, everybody wanted yeah. to be Porsche was such a symbol of success, probably is, although I think there are way too many Porsches. Oh, it's kind of like everyone had one, you know, so exactly. what's the if I was to have one, where is it? I think I had gone to the bank manager in Edinburgh at 24 years old to say I was buying a Porsche. They'd be like, "What?" <laughs> so, and uh, uh, what do you drive now? Before we go back to the story, <laughs> <laughs> so I drive an Audi. I've gone for more the the, the Q5. So I have a Q5 now. All right, nice. I like it. Yeah. It's a very stylish car. But that's amazing uh, also to see the, the hustling part of uh, I need to start a business and uh, I'm not going to let a, you know, a, a paperwork milestone because, to be honest, I know that th that money typically you can return. Ultimately, you just need it when you open the, 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 the account and uh, you didn't let that stop you and, and you went ahead and, and do it. And 
how was it back then? And you've, you've gone since then through a couple of major uh, economical shocks where mm -hmm. maybe signing was not uh, the first thing. So how did you survive 2008, 2009 to start with? Well, just I'll go just a little bit back on that whole thing with taking a loan and getting yourself into sort of a financial um, position. And, you know, when I look back now, I honestly think that that was the best thing I did for the number one reason being I had to make money. My first priority was to pay my loan back because back in those days, it was like, if you bounce a check or if you bounce a loan, you'll go to jail. Like it was not quite like that. But in those days, it was, you know, everyone was scared. So my, my priority was I had to make, I think, I'm trying to remember what the repayment was on it. It might have been 3,000 dirhams a month or something, but I knew every month I had to find that for three years. So what it did was it actually forced me, and this is the thing now mentoring new startups, often when they don't have, or maybe when they have that little bit of a luxury behind them, and when I say luxury, I mean like they've not forced to pay a rent back, or maybe they don't have a mortgage to pay or something, then the drivers don't tend to push them as much. So that was my experience, and I definitely feel it motivated me way more than maybe if I was still at home with my parents at 24 and um, starting a business that way. Um, but to answer your questions about the the recession, like I won't lie, it was tough and it was luxury. And um, I thankfully had one client that has been my client since um, since before the recession. And she, she stayed with me throughout the recession. She's a retainer. I styled her on a... Um, a weekly basis so I would go in organize all our clothes so I still had her and I had little bits that kind of kept me going so um and, and and I think you know during these challenging times things happen and you you pivot or you um you you think about other opportunities that can come to you and I think sort of coming into 2009 2010 you know, I was three years in business you know, and I was starting to think, you know, what are other opportunities? I took a great role um, with, or I suggested to a retail store, you know, that they offer this. So that came around the same time. So other opportunities presented themselves. And the same now um, with the global pandemic that we've gone through over the past 12 months, it really gave me that opportunity to sort of separate myself from just working and mentoring with um fashion the fashion industry to really go into sort of lifestyle industry authors coaches and um, those that own stores online brands and um, and create a program and yeah. i've loved that so yeah and so this was the other elephant in the zoom as well that i wanted to talk about like suddenly uh, you know let's talk first fashion before we go into the, the more uh, mentorship and leadership part suddenly also for the last year uh, most of our style has become, you know, from the neck and above, I would say, and everybody is in sweatpants and PJs. So, uh, Which I'm not, by the way. I'm in black trousers today. And I did I have a blazer. I did have a blazer on. It's just sitting here. And I was like, it's a bit weird sitting in my house in a blazer. Plus, the temperature has absolutely shot up. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit warm. But um, absolutely. But there's one thing about, you know, recessions and global pandemics is I shop a lot less. So it means that you not for clients, but for myself. So it means I spend less money. But how did you see the clients diverting their, uh, their, um, their spend or know, their interest in that case? You know, from a style perspective and fashion, you know, my clients still have money. And, and I think, you know, 
the you know, rich and uber wealthy clients that have got private jets and super yachts, you know, I, I say it's not affecting them because it absolutely is, but maybe not to the same degree that it would be affecting someone else who would maybe as a treat hire a stylist, for example. So um, I think the wealthy still have money. Um, yeah. So I think they're still spending, but maybe but, just choosing different pieces. But, but you know, I, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. I mean, I mean, the money is still there, I'm sure. I mean, arguably, a lot of people also are spending less just because we're stuck at home or we were for a while, but the revenues has decreased. But the question is that once you don't need to wear so many shoes, are people still buying so many shoes? Oh, well, you're asking when he's got an extensive shoe closet. So absolutely. I think there's always, um, I think there's always, uh, shoes just make you feel good. And I think that's something also out of this global pandemic. Yes, yeah, sure, athleisure wear and sweatpants um, are great for a while, but they certainly don't make you feel super successful. They certainly don't make you feel like you're pulled together and super chic. Like it's, you can make, um, you know, athleisure wear look chic, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think throughout this, we want to feel good about ourselves because there's a lot of stuff going on. And I, and I honestly think that sitting in, in sweatpants and, and that whole side of it. So, so to answer your question, I think there are people that are still doing that, but I think now people are much more aware going, do you know what? I actually want to buy something new because I want to feel nice, but maybe they won't buy the, the top from Harvey Nichols, but they'll buy it from Zara possibly. Yeah, yeah, and in that uh, respect, I like the uh, you know the, the expression that you use that I, I want to feel successful, I want to look successful. So, uh, what is the psychology behind that, and how are brands actually utilizing that? How are brands linking themselves to uh, being a success indicator? Porsche is one of them. We talked about it before, uh, but what do you see now? I think ultimately it's down to how something, car, clothing, makes someone, how it makes them feel. That's it at the end of the day. I think it's down to, and I don't think it's necessarily the price tag either. I think it really is down to this makes me feel good. So I want to feel good because I don't maybe have a lot to feel good for right now because, you know, maybe I haven't seen my family for a year or I'm not able to really go out and socialize. So what can I do to make myself feel good? So I think it's maybe less about, yeah, I think, and people may be buying into brands because it does make them feel good. But, but this is, you know, people have gone through this whole transition where it's like, hey, it's self-care. It's about, you know, we've had more time to sleep. We've had more time to work on ourselves. We've had more time to reflect what's important to us. What do we want to spend our money on? What helps us? What doesn't us? What doesn't help us? Yeah, understood, understood. And okay, then, so, you know, from a work uh, probably that required you to be places and with uh, your clients and them to seeing you, then we had to shift uh, uh, online, right? Uh, yeah. And you you use that, uh, I guess, to, uh, to uh, you not use that, but I mean, you had to go digital for that. Yeah. Place, yeah, right? yeah. How, how did you perform that part? Online. So, I mean, I had sold my um, styling agency a few years ago, so I had already transitioned partly into um, 
the the online space with mentoring and and 80 percent of my clients were based um overseas so i was doing the calls already on zoom uh, or go to meeting but i was still meeting clients in dubai so what this is just sort of forced it is now hey we can do all calls on zoom and and it's pushed i think more people to realize that hey we don't need to meet in person we can actually have um a great coach or a great mentor um you know someone who's in dubai um but we are based in the uk or in australia or, or wherever it is so i was already transitioning it it's just forced me even more to have an online business which is great because it's where i wanted to go i want to travel i say i want to travel more but um you know when we're in the position to do that i really do want to have the, the space to be able to work from anywhere my partner lives in the uk so i want to spend more time there so it's just it's work to force me to do that. That's fantastic. And uh, I guess that uh, I see it from my side as well. It's, it's very much very much more productive, actually, when done right. I mean, still, there is a need to be with someone from time to time uh, or as a team around the table. But uh, the ability to, you know, every meeting is one click away, not one drive away or one flight away, makes things much more uh, productive. Uh, the next uh, you know, section is, is what I call the, the business unusual section. And here I want to talk about what's coming next because now we're, being, we're getting out. You know, Dubai is almost uh, completely open with certain restrictions. Everybody talks about uh, the new normal. Uh, I talk about business unusual because it's not going to be 100% normal. Mm. How are you going to balance the next phase between doing all of this online and then again uh, you know, do you think you will go back to the old habits of, okay, let's meet and uh, talk face to face? Um, no, I think I'm going to be far more disciplined and I can certainly see that now. But something that I've really been aware of is that I, I need other people's energy, you know, and I never noticed it until, you know, you have to spend three months or four months at home spending most of the time on your own. So, um, for me, I've put in other habits in in play now. So once a week, I will go and work at a co-working space because now most of my businesses is online. I'm missing the the companionship. It's not even that someone to sit next to, but it's just like, oh hi, how are you? You know, just being out there. So for me, the the new normal is um, this. You know, a, a routine that either on a Sunday or one day midweek, I'm in a in a space that's out of the house and I'm very good at um, allocating days that I coach so those that I uh, mentor and coach can only book in on those days with, with within reason so I know that those days I'll keep for at home and there's peace and it's quiet and I can concentrate on them so I think that um, there's definitely things I'm much more aware of I'm so much better at spending time on my own in the evening mm -hmm. and I Really, um, I actually really enjoy it and I never thought I would so for me the new normal is not going to be like out every night like it was beforehand it's enjoying that time and and you know having people over and um, that's something I've really loved and I've got the space to do that so yeah that's fantastic. So let's talk more about now the you know the 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 the, the mentor Kelly, the, the gold queen. So the, the one goal that that obviously you kind of forced upon yourself was from the beginning. I need to repay that loan. So what advice are you giving nowadays to new entrepreneurs on how to set these uh, dynamic goals that they have to fit into their uh, targets from day one? Um, 
you know, it's it's really interesting because I think everyone knows that goals need to be, you know, smart or they've 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 heard that at some point. You know, we need to have something that's specific or measurable or, um, you know, time sensitive. But here's the thing: I've realised that there's you know, a lot of people do that and then they just don't follow through with it. And I think the the one thing, the one piece of advice I would um, really say to anyone is acknowledge where you fit in that. So why are you not achieving your goals? And something that comes up again and again, especially when I've done um, presentations recently, is I talk about reasons why people don't achieve goals. And it could be, you know, lack of self-belief. Um, it could be, because people say, oh, I don't have time. But it's not true. Everyone's got time. It's just a case of priorities. But yeah, the lack of self-belief or the fear factor. But do you know what comes up the most? Is laziness. Uh-huh. People are lazy when it comes to actually achieving what it is. It's not everyone. This is not a blanket um, observation. This is just the one that I talk about that comes up when I go, which one do you identify when I share like five um, reasons why maybe you don't achieve your goals? Are you one of these people? Can you identify with it? And it's the laziness. And and goals um, require time and they require effort. And if you're someone now, we live in this environment where it's, um, you know, I want it now. You know, we can order an Instashop. We can order a delivery route. You know, everything's instant. Gratification, exactly. Yeah, and, and goals are not quite like that. You've got to invest the time. And I think understanding that is the most important thing. And the, the, any, uh, any good uh, examples where you have seen uh, that, you know, we can create these artificial, not artificial goals, but these goals, like, like the, I'm, I'm thinking of the loan example, where you, yeah. you, you put yourself a certain uh, target or, uh, or a certain condition that is imposed upon you, I would say. Uh, that that uh, can help you set a goal and actually, you know, not not sit back and wait for the laziness to kick in. Yeah, well, I I think um, if I'm understanding that question is as how are people how can they come up with that sort of big goal? And I guess there's got to be something that drives it. And quite often, a lot of people, um, unless you're heavily into the personal development space, actually haven't sat down and gone right. What do I actually want to achieve? What do I want to do this year? Who do I want to spend time with? What do I want to learn? How can I grow? Who can I help? You know, I have this um, booklet when I work with someone and it's 32 pages and they do that homework before we have our first session. And guaranteed, everyone who comes to me says, wow, that was really, really tough. And the reason it's really tough was because it was going really deep into what is it that you want? Um, Because so many people have this rough idea, but they don't actually formulate it and write it down. And and you might not know how to get it. I didn't know how I was going to achieve the business that I got. But you have to take the first step um, by writing something down. And then the path path will will pave its way um, through the, the small, everyday, consistent actions you do. So I think asking yourself and being really honest, what do I really want in life? And that could be anything from um, a professional perspective, um, job, career. It could be, you know, if you want to set up your own business, it could even be your personal life. Um, a few years ago, 
I was really ready to meet someone. Um, I had come out of a divorce and, and you know, was at that point where I'd found myself again and I was like, do you know what, I really want to meet someone. And I sat down, um, actually I was on holiday with my mom at the time, and I said, you know, I just need some time, I need some space to get really clear about the kind of person that I want to meet. What is the person that I want to be with, with all this experience I've had now? And I got super clear and I wrote down all the things that I wanted in this next person to, to, to meet. Um, and I kid you not, uh, eight weeks later, I met him. And oh. I, um, I laugh because I met him when I was in the UK, hence why we're, he's still in the UK and I'm still here. And, and it was really interesting because I remember after we'd done our first day, I'd come back to Dubai and I was reading through my desire statement. And then I was like, hang on a minute, all those things that I wrote down, he's those things. He's going to think I'm really weird. Like he's going to think I made this up, but honestly I'd written it beforehand. So it goes back to that sort of clarity piece. What is it that you want? Because then if you don't get it, you know, and then you can tweak things if it's a business perspective to get better, or you can know that that's not the person I want to be with. So I would say that, was that what you were looking for? Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, these are all. I I like them. They're nice, nice techniques. It happened to me, and I think for me as well. One, I started that kind of list. It wasn't about who I want to be with. It was what uh, what what I wanted to do next a few years ago, and what I don't want to do. That was the the first list I did. That say, okay, this 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 and this I don't want. So before we get to what I want, so worked it a bit by by elimination, and quite interestingly. For me, at least, if I want to share something with you, is the most difficult question has always been, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, but but ultimately, I uh, I became more comfortable with it. Because first of all, whenever I'm doing this exercise for a business, you need to do it. This is not about uh, a young person doing an interview and saying, uh, uh, you know, being asked, where do you want to see yourself five years? And I just finished school. I just need a job because I need to pay the loan or something. Right? That's all. Yeah, I see myself with zero balance on my loan. But, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, but on a personal note, what I uh, what worked for me was putting it on a on a on a long term calendar. And uh, in my case, uh, you know, I we have kids, and kids have a clear uh, a clearer milestone uh, uh, based uh, 10, 20 years time frame. Yeah, they have to go to school. They have to finish school. They go to university. Yeah. No, then they get married. One day uh, I'll get grandkids, and 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 based on that, I said, ah, okay. So around twenty forty five, I should be in a position to be a good grandpa. <laughs> so I need. Oh my to... God! When you put it like that. Yeah, but <laughs> it actually works. So me now, okay. I, I, you know, I know that the the, the roaring twenties are gonna be, you know, around around twenty twenty five, and they will roar. You know, I love it. Yeah. You, you know, something that I, I, I've read and I've come across, and it's so true, people really underestimate what they can do in 10 years, but overestimate what they can do in one year. So people get really excited and they're like, okay, let me uh, let me write down this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then they get really disappointed, but then they don't think, well, what can I do in the next five or 10 years? So that's perfect. Absolutely, and I, th I think that's why you know that's why the queen can be around for 50, 100 years because she has a lot to do. But but like a, a, a prime minister or a president has four or five years to get things done. You can't do much in uh, in one year, right? I had the other uh, as well. Uh, 
I tried something a few years ago. I read that uh, Richard Branson, uh, founder of Virgin, anytime, every time on his birthday, every year on his birthday, he sets a number of goals for the coming year equal to his number of years. So he adds one. Oh, wow. How interesting. Yeah, well, that's a lot of goals, to be honest. So I, I, and then, you know, you have Zuckerberg as well, who sets one big goal a year. Uh, so I said, okay, you know, I go somewhere in the middle. I will. It was 2016. I said I'm gonna set 16 goals for 2016, and then I tried 2000. I couldn't get them. And, you know, it, it was too much. Something that, and that I think proves the point that you're saying. Sometimes, uh, you know, you can't make 17 things meaningful things happen in, in one year. I don't know about Branson how he does 60, 70 goals a year, but uh, I guess maybe he chooses them uh, wisely. He's also got a big team he can delegate to also help make things happen. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So uh, that was an interesting uh, thing, uh, discussion. But to talk a little bit about style uh, uh, from a fashion perspective, but style from a personal or leadership perspective, which is where the, the, the shift that you have gone to. Uh, how do we do it better in the digital world? Now that most of us uh, are able to operate digitally, we lose a lot of the face-to-face, -face, the mannerism, the body, body language as, as leaders, as counterparts in discussion. What is your uh, recommendation for people in that case? Um, I would say it's about being visible. And I think a lot of people, um, and this is what I realized in the personal brand perspective before we even discussed the style, is, is they hide behind their business or they're not particularly visible. And I think now it's digital or now it's much more digital. You can't hide. And if you are hiding, then people are like, ooh, why are you hiding? What's wrong? And, and, and this is the whole thing that I say, you know, you better start controlling your personal brand and what you're in control of rather than other people controlling it for you and saying things that is not actually partly you or not true. Um, so I think this visibility thing is really key and whether that's being visible on, on LinkedIn in the professional space and, and helping others, whether it's having a, a public page that's, that's maybe not super personal but public on Instagram or, you know, hosting something that once a week you're still checking in with your team or, which I imagine on, on the capacity most people are or, or what are the initiatives, you know, something I've seen a lot of is, um, you know, doing fun things like one of the, the girls um, that has a, a business and we work towards developing her personal brand within the organization, which is incredible. She is like a, a PJ day in her when, when they've gone back to the office and they go back two days a week. But one of them is PJ's day and they just come in in their PJs and stuff like this. So what are the initiatives that you can be doing that make you visible, but also bring your team together on that brand perspective? And from the personal brand, uh, I, I had this uh, kind of, uh, not struggle, but kind of several decisions to make uh, along the way a few years ago and, and more recently this summer. You tend, I, I think we, we will tend to drift towards, I need something very well structured, you know, like uh, for me, it was always... Style uh, perspective, yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, I, I had that uh, very... Uh, nasty i would say profile picture when i had the style uh, the steve jobs uh, you know uh, portrait picture and now i got rid of it because i felt it was too serious ultimately but there is a risk i think of being too engineered and then going into this is not natural anymore uh, versus how so my question is how can i m maintain a brand 
uh, and, and an image and control it, but without it looking too over-engineered, too over-controlled, too rigid. And I think this is when the word sort of lifestyle comes into it. So I think it's finding you, you know, a lot of um, like say business portraits, if you're talking about LinkedIn and pictures, you know, people traditionally used to do them in settings that were studios with a flat, you know, a, a plain background behind that was black or, you know, dark. And, and, and I think now what makes it is a lifestyle. So being somewhere where you're in an environment that reflects you, and that could even just be at home, but something that's just you're more comfortable and that comes over in an image. So that's, that's we're, if we're talking about images and, and, and that sort of thing. And then when it comes to your style, something that, that we haven't touched on yet, but like a, as a person, you evolve yeah. and your business evolves, your career evolves, your style evolves. And, and that is partly to do with um, the environment that we live in, where where you've moved to, where you've come from, what you have your friends dress, what do your colleagues dress, and 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 what do you like wearing? Back to what makes you feel good. So I think a lot of people like will kind of look at their style from five years ago and be, and they're still wearing it, but they're like, why don't I feel that this works for me? And it's probably because everything just evolves and your style's behind. Yeah. Not noticeably, who oh, you're out of date with your fashion sense, but just the sense of who you are is evolved and the clothes don't represent you anymore. So that's okay, that's the fluidity that we need to keep and, and keep adapting. Mm. Now, before we close, tell us about your podcast and where uh, we can listen to it, uh, if it's live already. Uh, what drove you to do it and what do you talk about on it? It's coming on the 7th of April. So I'm really excited, actually. This is my second podcast. So I had my first podcast back in 2014. Um, and it was called We're Cat What Meets Commerce. And I did 40 episodes. And, you know, it's a lot of work. And I, I was one of the very early adopters. But my biggest struggle was you know, I was putting all this effort in, but I was still a stylist then. And I didn't have a leveraged business model um, in the sense, you know, I wasn't coaching. I wasn't, you know, there wasn't the online space. So I paused that for a few years. And now I'm launching under my own brand. Um, and really, it's um, a very open, casual chat about what comes up, primarily business, but there's fitness, there's um, goals, there's one of the questions that I ask a lot is what's one misconception about your industry and it's a real opportunity for people to say you know well I know people think it's this but it's nothing like that so um, yeah I'm really looking forward to it. Amazing well we look forward to listening to it we'll make sure to drop a link to your page in the notes so that people can uh, can tune in soon April 7th keep it in mind. Thank you, Kelly, and uh, thanks to all of our uh, listeners for uh, tuning in to this episode. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the chat and the rich conversation with Kelly. You can uh, chat with us later on our social media. We're all uh, we're available on multiple platforms. We'll link to them. And make sure to listen to her podcast as soon as it is up and running on your favorite platform. And make sure to rate and like the Wirelessly Yours podcast. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much. Dear listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe to Wirelessly Yours on your favorite podcast app. We are available on all popular platforms, including Anrami, Apple, and Spotify. 
Your opinion matters to us, so leave us a review with your feedback and stay tuned for more. Wireless the yours.